Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. I like to say that when you think about preserving this great country of ours, faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity are right at the top of the heap. And today we have somebody who truly focuses on those issues every single day in his work. Timothy Head is joining us for this episode of Freedom Rings, and he is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, where he and his colleagues defend our shared conservative values in each and every day, and I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more about him and about the work that they are doing at the Faith and Freedom Coalition to stand up for our values. So, Timothy, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's a treat to be with you this morning, and uh, always a treat uh, to be with with any senator. But for for our money, uh, you have been a clarion on issues related to faith and freedom for years and years, both in the U.S. House and certainly in the U.S. Senate. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you're doing at Faith and Freedom Coalition. Tell our listeners uh, a bit about the organization and where you place your emphasis. You bet. So, uh, you know, one way that we we sometimes say it is uh, that that our organization, Faith and Freedom Coalition, is is uh, it exists to uh, support public policy that um, is built around a biblical worldview and within a constitutional framework. You know, so there are certain biblical values that may also kind of fall outside the bounds of what we think are appropriate for uh, either a federal or state government, and then also sometimes there are. Uh, legitimate things that a, a government should be doing that may not necessarily be predicated on some biblical values or principles. And so we're trying to marry those uh, biblical values within a constitutional framework. Uh, so we work on uh, probably eight or ten different subject matters for the most part, you know, certainly issues related to, to life, innocent life, uh, marriage and family, religious liberty, uh, Israel, kind of on the federal side. Also do a lot on education, on immigration, on human trafficking, and on our justice system. And so those are um, uh, probably the the main kind of silos, if you will, or, of policy. Uh, we uh, we certainly are here in in, in Washington D.C. working on the Hill on a daily basis. Now we uh, we have twenty four state chapters across the country, and that continues to build. We'll normally start start three or four new chapters a year. Uh, but a piece that's a little bit unusual for for a lot of think tanks, if you will, is uh, so we work on on those policy issues, but we also have the other wing to the plane. So we have a uh, what we refer to as voter education. So we uh, we are actively on the ground every election cycle, making sure that voters know where candidates stand on the issues. And so, um, you know, in 2020, we had just shy of 200 million voter contacts, including about 5.95 million doors that we knocked. And so we just started in August that door knocking program. And uh, we have a, a national uh, voter voter database that has about 43 million identified faith voters. And so we uh, we basically just pepper those voters to make sure that nobody has the excuse of not knowing either A, when an election is, or B, where candidates stand on issues. And so, um, you know, I think w- if, when you design an, a group uh, to, to both uh, activate voters and then also stand on principles and policies, you have the ability to kind of maximize impact on 
uh, on on true kind of live legislation uh, legislation on the federal and the states uh, levels. And so you are uh, educating for state races and federal races mm-hmm. each, that's, correct? That's right. That's right. So we uh, will have uh, there, this year we have a total of about 112 different races that we've kind of targeted. So those are. Uh, 23, I think, state uh, gubernatorial races. Uh, we have uh, about 20, 19 or 20 states, uh, U.S. Senate races. And then we have about 43 or four uh, U.S. House races that we're uh, that we're kind of drilling down on. So it's uh, it, it. And then there are a handful of kind of, um, you know, attorney general races, lieutenant governor races uh, that are that kind of are, are state specific. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we kind of touch on the federal side and the state side uh, and and, um, you know, for our money, you know, it's uh, one analogy maybe is, is uh, trying to cook in the kitchen with the wrong ingredients. If, mm-hmm. if you have the wrong people in office, it doesn't you can you can kind of advocate until you're blue in the face. Uh, but uh, but when the right people are in in uh, in either state legislatures or in the uh, the U.S. House and Senate, the White House for that matter, uh, you you can kind of uh, just it becomes green lights all the way, you know. So we mm-hmm. can we can kind of tinker a little bit instead of having to reroute a whole river. And uh, you you know what it's like to try to reroute rivers here in Washington D.C. It's oh it's yes, we do. Uh, when do you all have people coming to your website and following your social media, looking at issues in this post-pandemic world, what are the things that bring them to you to find out where candidates stand and to get this education? Well, you know, that tends to kind of change a little bit with, uh, with the tides. So uh, in 2022, uh, interestingly enough, right now, <clears throat> it's a combination uh, of um, – uh, we're getting a lot of of uh, queries on um, issues related, basically to, to crime and safety. That's uh, that seems to be a very uh, kind of top of mind issue. We're always uh, concerned about that as Americans, but uh, unfortunately, we've seen a pretty significant uptick, especially in a lot of city uh, city centers. Uh, large large centers uh, have seen. You know, I don't think it's any big secret now. Some some pretty serious uh, upticks on that front, and then clearly, you know, infl- inflation is impacting all of us directly or indirectly. Uh, some some pretty badly, some really really badly. You know, in uh, in Nevada right now, their their uh, inflation over the last uh, basically eighteen eighteen months is is looking at almost eighteen percent inflation. You know, so uh, so even if you're a pro life voter or a uh, pro-Israel vo- voter, for instance, in Nevada, uh, inflation is going to be probably top of top of mind for you. And then immigration, you know, certainly border border related issues. So those are the three probably uh, prevailing issues right now for us. Um, interestingly, you could, but you you life for for most most faith voters, the questions of life always are kind of uh, either top of mind or or uh, sort of circulating. They're a part in, of the equation. That. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are excited about what happened in Dobbs, Uh, the Dobbs decision, you know, about three months ago now, uh, they may be articulating public safety, immigration, inflation in the economy. Uh, but uh, but there's also a real interest, you know, now that that's become more of a state issue, uh, they're very interested on the state level to make sure that either their governor, you know, the Speaker of the House, uh, their, their Senate majority leaders are are going to be uh, pretty active on, on life-related issues in those respective states. That is so interesting. And I would imagine with 
your background having served as a missionary and you were in Asia and Europe each, correct? That's right. And how does that affect your view on foreign policy when you look at what is happening in, with what I call the axis of evil, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, in, in some ways that feels like a, another life ago that, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was uh, in largely India and Nepal and, and uh, Pakistan, but also kind of into uh, Tibet areas, so parts of China, uh, was able to, when I was in China, for, for sure, obviously interacting with the Chinese government, but, uh, but also in, in Nepal and some other areas like that, um, interacting with people who were... Um, mindful of China, we'll just say. And then, uh, and similarly, when I was in Pakistan uh, and a little bit in Afghanistan, certainly dealing with a lot of uh, challenging, uh, matter of fact, I was there kind of at the height of power uh, of, of uh, the Taliban in, in those, those kind of regions of the world. So, um, you know, when you're talking about totalitarian regimes, um, you really see kind of the, uh, the daily sort of practical effect that, uh, that a very, oppressive uh, government has on just normal people on you know um, obviously in those areas of the world there aren't very many Christians generally Hindus and Buddhists and a lot of obviously Muslims in, in Central Asia but on a human level a lot of these people are just trying to raise kids and you know provide for mm-hmm. families and and you know uh, try to do something fun on Saturdays and you know it's it's just like anywhere else in the world and whenever you really have an oppressive regime uh, it's uh, you really do see just, you know, basic kind of uh, things that we in America might take for granted, clean water, uh, access to, you know, a good doctor and and, um, you know, an a- access to schools that that uh, just teach boys and girls how to read and write, et cetera. Uh, you just see how all of these things are stifled. Uh, and then for our money, you know, I, I was there, obviously, as a missionary. I had some run ins with, uh, you know, some uh, uh, some police and uh, jurists that weren't excited about what I was doing. And so I got to, got to experience some justice systems in those next to the wood, woods. And, uh, and again, you see, you know, if, if you kind of step out of line a little bit, um, due process is, is a thing of the imagination in a lot of those places. And so uh, we, uh, I, you know, I personally, I think about those things often, uh, to be honest. I still have a lot of friends, you know, the situation in Afghanistan uh, last year um, where uh, the, the botched kind of pullout uh, for, for the U.S. And I, I mean, I was. I was in up to my my neck trying to help a lot of friends get out of some very very dire uh, scenarios there. So, uh, in in some ways, that was a long time ago for me personally, but uh, but there are still kind of remnants or echoes of that that uh, that still are in my on my my heart as well as in my professional life uh, on a on an ongoing kind of constant basis. And I would imagine it helps inform your work as you really. It, with the Faith and Freedom Coalition, you work to defend these core principles and values that really keep this nation strong. And I know you all have done a good bit of work in the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. And also, let's see, it was um, First Step Act. Mm-hmm. And so how did Faith and Freedom engage in those? Well, you know, the the uh, the Stop Online uh, uh, 
sexual trafficking actually so sesta and foster were basically two bills that kind of got got fused a little bit towards the end uh w- that was um i was in the house and chairman were, of comms and tech you and were you were in the thick I of think that for that, sure yes it, fill in kind of how you all engaged sure. in that uh, so the you know the the basic gist of it was um that uh, a lot of of uh, online uh platforms really had no uh, accountability if if their platforms were being used as a, a medium for uh, for people to uh, to buy and sell basically to solicit um, uh, um, especially minors but really anybody mm-hmm. and so uh, what uh, what Sesta and Fosta did was it it made um, you know the kind of the most most known or renowned group was uh, was referred to as backpage.com there are others that did the same thing but backpage was the most visited or trafficked and um basically if they were kind of um knowingly or negligently uh being used uh for uh for uh, these kinds of transactions they shared in some culpability because uh, uh, the the communications decency act back in the 90s did not contemplate these kinds of practices you know here 20 years later uh 30 years 30 years later so uh, really a huge opportunity to uh, to make sure that the platforms that were being used, um, you know, basically people can log in and say, I'm looking for, you know, uh, a certain right. kind of person to, to do certain kind of activities. And if the if the these platforms uh, were aware of, of this kind of trafficking, um, they they could be financially uh, civilly liable and potentially even criminally liable. And so, uh, you know, we uh, that was uh, it's probably probably too long a story to, to go into today. But uh, there were some. Um, very interesting um, kind of behind the scenes interactions once we started getting very public on on that um, that I, I personally wound up having some interesting experiences uh, of, with some um, uh, organizations and people affiliated with some online uh, some some no doubt your listeners will be aware of a lot of the the kind of day-to-day organizations that started mm-hmm. getting some very interesting um, interactions. Yeah, you know and I think with. it's so important um, when you talk about how traditional values can influence an issue and you look at cleaning up the public online space and that is what um, the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act did and as it came to the House and we put FOSTA and SESTA together to have people aware that this was really taking place. I think there were a lot of people that wanted to say, oh, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. But indeed, it was, and it was quite an issue, and you all were very impactful in that regard. I have to tell, ask you, what does freedom mean to you individually? What does it mean to Faith and Freedom Coalition? Um, How is that nugget a driver for your day? Great question. You know, freedom. Uh, you know, a lot of these words that we kind of use uh, uh, vernacularly are they're they're really loaded concepts, both in our own minds and and also biblically, actually. And so, you know, the concept of freedom, and also you can talk about liber- liberty biblically, are uh, the way that I would say it is basically the ability to live out our destiny uh, with in an unfettered way. And so, you know, there are, there are kind of governmental, uh, aspects to that. I would argue there are, there are issues related to kind of your will, you know, a person's will and soul that are, that are kind of, uh, implicated in that. But freedom is, um, it's almost one of these things that we don't 
fully even recognize or, or, or kind of identify until you don't have it. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people started to feel a little bit of that on a, on a regular basis during 2020 when, uh, you know, probably the, the most, um, you know, palatable uh, way that Americans probably maybe have ever experienced it. Certainly this generation of Americans have ever experienced it when they literally were told you can't do these basic functions of your life. And so, you know, the absence of something uh, almost can can help us appreciate or, or, or put our finger on something more so than when we, we actually do have it. And so I think uh, when when we're talking about either religious issues or just kind of basic, you know, travel and commerce, uh, certainly speech, um, when, when you uh, when that's checked by somebody else and not not by your own will or, or desire, uh, I, I think that's that's where we really start to appreciate and and uh, relish the sacredness of of freedom. And so I think that more people are mindful of that now uh, than they were three years ago. Say, um, you know, so for for me, freedom is the ability to uh, to basically pursue God's intention for each of us. You know, His His desire and destiny for each of us without other people either imposing on us or limiting us. And I think that so many of our listeners will agree with you on that, and you articulate that so well. Thank you for joining us today, and I know they're going to want to keep up with you. They can follow you on Twitter at Timothy Head, and the Faith and Freedom Coalition is on Twitter at Faith and Freedom. You're on Facebook at Faith and Freedom Coalition, and the website is F fcoalition.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.